Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Here are your hosts, Julie Fudge-Smith and Colleen Pilar. Hi, and welcome back to Your Family Dog. This is part two with Joanna Humbert, and she is the executive director of the Michiana Humane Society in Michigan or Michigan City, Indiana, 60 miles from Chicago. She um, came to be the executive director from a very interesting and colorful career path, including time as a development director for a major arts organization, business manager at a TV documentary production company, and positions managing an art gallery and staffing a nonprofit land trust. So she's had a wide variety of experiences that has brought her to the five and a half years ago when she was appointed as the executive director of the Humane Society. She has two dogs at the moment, Moses and Phoebe. And uh, anyway, thank you so much for joining us for a second round. This time, I think we're going to be talking a little bit about owners and shelters, not just shelters. So Colleen, I believe you have the first question for Joanna. Thank you for joining us a second time. Pleased to be here. Yeah, thank you, Joanna. So if if I want to adopt a dog and I'm so excited I'm going to go to the shelter, how do I walk in as your favorite adopter of the day? What do I need to know when I walk through the doors to be your favorite person? We really like people who really love their animals. Maybe that's obvious, but there are people who come in who just don't seem all that interested in animals. So we like people who want to come in and talk about their experiences with their previous animals, their animals that they have at home now, Who people who tell us about when they had a challenge with their dog and how they worked through it, um, whether they were able to you know, go on YouTube and find a video that showed them how to keep their puppy from mouthing on them, or whether they had to call in a trainer to work with them on a specific problem. Um, People who come in and they talk to us about how um, how they got two dogs who initially seemed maybe blase about each other, how they lived, you know, on different sides of a gate for a while before they were able to be together. And that was no problem. You know, I, as a, as an owner of both dogs and cats in my household, I learned very quickly the value of the baby gate and uh, that it takes a lot of time sometimes before you reach a level of peace in your household that you would like. And when people come in and they'll say to us, well, it took six months before Spooky the cat and Rocky the dog were able to, you know, sit and watch TV with us together. And you say, six months? You know, what happened during those six months? And they'll say, well, first we needed two baby gates to make sure they were separated. And then they start, we were able to take one away and they could sniff each other through the baby gate. And then one day, Spooky jumped over the gate and Rocky chased him a little bit and Spooky got up on the shelf and Then they all seemed, we just like people who are willing to take the time and who show us, we don't mind if there are challenges at first, we'll work through them. Mm -hmm. We'll invest, 
we want to invest in the animal who we're bringing home because we see this as a 10 to 15 year commitment. That's impressive. Yes. Yes, very much so. Um, and I was thinking that I, I think when, when you were saying that you, I think it's important that people realize that it's okay to admit when there, when there were mistakes or when things didn't go well, that, mm -hmm. that most of us have had experience with the animals, most of which may have been really great, but there are bad ones. And so, you know, we need to know that it's okay for us to say it didn't go so well with this dog. And we had right. to rehome him because, mm -hmm. you know, there's no way it was going to work in our household. That is a much more sort of adult and responsible way of dealing with the problem than, than just, well, you know, we had one live in the barn. Right. And the other one, you right. know, in the basement. Um, no. And we, and it, it, when people come to us and they say, well, we adopted a dog five years ago and he just, you know, he kept jumping the fence and chasing cars and we were so worried about him that we finally had to, you know, give him up so that he could live someplace where he would be safe. That's not going to stop you, stop us from being able to adopt from you, is it? And we say, no, you loved that dog and your choice would have been to keep him. But for the dog's safety, for the dog's well-being, you made a more difficult choice to give him up so that he could live somewhere safe, that impresses us. And please right. don't feel like you have to hide that from us. Share that with us because that impresses us when you can put the dog's well-being before your, you know, your pride or your, you know, love for this little furry creature. Yeah, I love right. that you said that because that is a really hard message for people to hear sometimes that that sometimes it is a gift to rehome mm -hmm. a dog and that if we if we can look at a situation and say was that a gift in this case were we helping the dog yeah you were right um that's mm -hmm. not something to be ashamed of or embarrassed of and it's not something that no. anyone should shame them for no so. no correct and i think you'll find that many many people who work at animal shelters and who are in this industry at some point in time have had to make that choice mm -hmm. and have had to recognize, yeah, there's a problem here and that's not going to be worked out. Mm -hmm. And the best thing is to allow someone who doesn't have that conflict to be the person to love this animal. Yeah, I love the symmetry there too of of you just talked about how you really like the adopters who are willing to work through the situations that are workable, you know, because nothing's mm -hmm. going to be just right off the bat, totally easy. But also that it's absolutely fine to say, this isn't going to be a good fit. Even if we work hard, it's not going to be a good mm -hmm. fit. And I think that is a hard line for people at times. And that's where a good trainer can come into play. But having absolutely. an awesome shelter to support those decisions is is key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had a situation about six months ago where a young dog was adopted. And the next day, the adopter called us and said, Oh, my God, he never stops. This is not going to work for me. And we said, it's not been 24 hours. Let's think about ways to give you some time off, you know, can the dog be crated? If you want to come and let the dog run in our dog park for an hour so it'll get tired, 
like what can we do to reduce this very you know nervous burst of energy that's happening because dog was at shelter surrounded by other dog and noise and smells and now dog is in home with soft surfaces and loving people and doesn't know where to, you know, where to stop, where to look first, you know. And so we encourage the man, you know, let's take a week and, you know, try to find you ways to get moments of peace, but also help Sparky, you know, discover that this can be a good situation. And, you know, we find 98% of the time the problems that exist in the first 24 hours almost work themselves out as you start to establish a relationship with the dog you start to understand the dog's signals and cues the dog starts to understand the language that you speak and a routine gets established and everyone can relax and be happy all right well so inquiring minds want to know did the dog stay with this gentleman yes oh yes (laughs) yes No, and, you know, it's another example of people forming an idea just by seeing a dog's picture, seeing a dog's face. Yes. And, you know, maybe the dog looks exactly like your last dog. And so you think he's going to behave exactly Mm -hmm. like your last dog. Mm. But guess what? They've all got personalities of their own. And then you come to realize, well, you know. It actually did kind of bother me that my old dog liked to get up at 5.30 every morning and I like to sleep till 6.30. And this dog is a couch potato and would sleep until 8. I have to shake him on the shoulder to wake him up so I can get to work on time. You know, and all of a sudden you discover that different personalities might work even better in your house. So when when an adopter comes in and you're trying to help them match up with some personalities, what what are the things that you would like them to be aware of as they get started? Well, I think that people need to take a really good look at their own lifestyle and be really honest with themselves about what they're looking for. You know, if you are a couch potato Don't come in saying, I love the look of that dog who, you know, is some very active young animal that is going to run around and around and around and around and around in circles because it's not getting enough exercise. Or on the other flip side, if you're a jogger, please don't come in and say, you know, this 10-year-old fat dog, I'd like to adopt that dog. I think he'll fit into my life really well because... A 10-year-old fat dog is not going to be a jogging dog, (laughs) you know? A 2-year-old fat dog, maybe you can turn it into a jogging dog, but a 10-year-old fat dog, not likely to make that conversion. Um, And we find time and time again, people come in and they, they represent one notion. People always come in and say, we're looking for a puppy. You know, we want to give a dog a good start and a puppy would be great for us. And my favorite thing is if we have a litter of puppies, we say, you go into the meeting room and we'll bring in this litter of puppies and you can see who you like. And I'll tell you what, 
if a puppy is not right for you, 15 minutes in a room with eight puppies racing around all over the place <laughs> and peeing on the floor and chewing on things. And you'll come out and say, where are the housebroken dogs? <laughs> so, maybe I'd really rather have a two-year-old dog that's gotten some of this puppy stage gone already. Um, and we see that again and again. And we're always saying, you know, let's just look at what you're really looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all about behavior and not about looks, which is when I talk to people, I'm surprised how often I shouldn't be, but um, I'm surprised how often we're talking about looks. And and uh -huh. I think, oh, that's the last, that's the last criteria. I mean, we yeah. can talk about low shed last. Let's talk mm -hmm. about uh, the couch potato question first. For me, I prefer right? a couch potato kind of dog. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a fan. Um, yeah. And, and then work our way down through size and some of these other characteristics before we get into, well, I want it to be, you know, speckled with one black eye. Um, hmm. Right. <laughs> right. No, it's yeah. very important. I My very first time that I adopted a dog, I went to the Anti-Cruelty Society and I said, you know, here's a nice looking six month old wiry haired puppy kind of a dog and I'd like to apply for that. And the person said, do you work? I said, yes. And they said, do you work near home? I said, well, you know, I commute. They said, you don't want this dog. This dog is not housebroken. And if you can't get home at lunchtime and let this dog out, it's not going to be housebroken and you're going to end up returning it. And so they said, go sit in the room and we'll bring you some dogs that might be more appropriate for your apartment working day lifestyle. And first they brought out this huge St. Bernard mix who was really sad. And I just, I couldn't in my heart, I said, this dog is too sad. I can't, I can't help this dog. I don't feel I can make that work. And the second dog they brought out was a 40 pound black dog who came and sat down right next to me. And he wasn't crazy energetic and he wasn't unwilling to interact with me. And that's the dog I adopted. And that was Buster, the best dog in the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I think that you may not realize when you first come in what's going to be the most important thing. Yeah. But like you say, it can't be based on what they look like. And you shouldn't dictate to the shelter, I want a puppy, only a puppy. Because your lifestyle, like mine was at that time, might not be appropriate for that, but you should be willing to work with the shelter staff and have an open conversation about how you like your day to go and how you want your dog to fit into that day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I was thinking having adopted, uh, brought into my home both puppies and um, older dogs, there are advantages to either way. Um, mm -hmm. But puppies have worked in my household because for one, I was a stay at home mom with my kids. Right. So I, I was able to be, you know, stay at home mom to the puppy as well. And, uh -huh. and I kept thinking to myself, I'm not sure how somebody who's not there all the time does this. Cause I sure made enough mistakes as it was. And I was there. Right. So, um, 
But then I've also adopted a dog who came to me, you know, older and housebroken. And by golly, that was kind of fun, too. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> not to have to go through that. And uh, so I think that you really have to be realistic about who you are. And yeah. And you know what, we- Julie, if somebody comes in and they say, I work full time, I want a puppy, then we just ask, well, what are your plans for housebreaking? And right. if they say, well, my mom lives next door and she can come in, you know, late morning and let the puppy out. And then my husband gets home from work two hours before I do. So really the puppy will only need to be in the crate for three hours at a time before they get out to go out. Then that's fine. Yeah. It's you a know, plan. Right. But it is if, a plan. But you were asking initially, you know, how to impress us. If you come in with a plan like that, that impresses us. If you've already thought <laughs> through the potential challenges and you can say, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, then that works for us. Right. So I guess my other question is, is, is what do you tell owners who want to adopt like two or three puppies from the litter? Or Absolutely not. Okay. And people argue with us every time and they'll say... Mm-hmm. But there's two puppies left. If I only take this one, that one will be left. And I understand the love. I understand not wanting puppy to be lonely. But then we say, but if you bring home two puppies, they will bond with each other. And it'll be so hard Mm -hmm. for them to bond with you. And do you understand the idea of having to train them separately? which means twice the amount of time you're going to be investing in, you know, puppy one comes outside with me now for leash walking and puppy two stays inside in the crate because he's got to learn to be quiet in the crate. And then after that 15 minutes, you're going to flip flop it. And now, and uh, people argue with us, but, We have had many people come back a year later with their great year old dog now who is well behaved and say to us, I don't know what I would have done if you would let me take two puppies at the same time, you know, so. Right. Now, will you let them adopt a second dog at that point? We don't find many people who are interested in adopting a puppy and an adult dog. Um, that has not come up particularly. I, even that it would very much depend on the two dogs they were interested in and, uh, whether they could make a good case to us that they had a plan. Okay. Um, What if you have somebody who gets a puppy one year and then comes back a year later with a, now they have a year old dog. Will you let them adopt a second dog at that point? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, we like we like repeat customers, uh, you know, and I think, I think dogs like to have another dog, but let's get bonded with the first dog and get our routines right. together and make sure we understand each other. And then you can bring number two in or number three, right. Right. you know, right now, will you allow an owner to bring their dog to the shelter to meet the dog they're interested in or does so, that not work very well? First, we like for them to select a dog and do an application. 
And uh, part of the reason is then we can do a vet check and make sure that the dog at home is vaccinated and, uh, you know, that everything has been okay. Um, and then depending on, we don't require that they bring their dog to the shelter because shelter can be a scary place for dogs. And mm -hmm. just because dogs do or don't react well to each other at the scary shelter is not necessarily a good predictor of how they're going to do at home. Um, right. So for most dogs, we don't require a meet and greet, but we always allow it if they want to come and make sure that their dog isn't going to you know, immediately go after the dog, the potential adopted dog, or if they think that there is some issue that they want to make sure isn't going to happen. Um, we certainly have had people come in to do a meet and greet and that meet and greet has shown us that we don't want to adopt the particular dog to them. Um, we, we find more, we get more information about how they're handling their dog when they come in than we do probably about whether the two dogs get along or not. Mm -hmm. And we have found people who, you know, their only control over their own dog is manhandling it, at which point we'll sort of say, maybe the second dog, it's not time for a second dog. Your dog doesn't seem to be, and sometimes what we're really saying is, you can't real if you have to physically put your hands on your dog and force it into a corner to get it away from another dog, what are you going to do if the two dogs go after each other? Right. You know? Um, or how are you going to take them for a walk or whatever? You know, so sometimes we just say, you know, might not be the best time. Yeah. We've also think had situations where we didn't think that it was appropriate. And the people come in and their dog is like, super high Schutzhund trained and responds to the teeniest cue and obeys them, you know, wholeheartedly, eagerly, and at the, you know, the slightest little blink of an eye. And, you know, then we get a lot of confidence in those owners that they're going to be able right. to, you know, get the number two dog. So. Okay. Okay. So, if, um, what would you want owners to, I, I guess if an owner were to, uh, to come in, what would you want the owner to, to, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, your ideal owner. What do you want the owner to ask you? What is the question? The first question you want to hear an owner ask you? Um, once they have selected the dog who they're interested in, I think we like them to ask what behavior we've observed in that dog. You know, people will ask, does he walk well on a leash? Does he seem to be house trained? Because, you know, it, there are certain times of the day when our dogs are left for a considerable period of time in their kennels, so they might have accidents. But if someone says, is this dog housebroken? And our staff can say the dog totally understands the 
theory of housebreaking, as soon as we take it outside on a leash on the grass, it goes to the bathroom. Um, so it's nice when people inquire about behavior, housebreaking. Um, sometimes they ask questions about energy level that we've observed. Sometimes they ask us about how has it, what have you been your observations of this dog with other dogs in the shelter? Even if they don't have a dog at home, they want to know, am I going to be able to walk this dog in my community? And uh, if I am walking the dog, is it going to want to run up to every dog and sniff it? Which, you know, is not necessarily bad behavior, but you might want to teach the dog to look for permission before it goes <laughs> to sniff. Um, you know, or is the dog going to be trying to get away every time there's another dog, you know, is the dog afraid of dogs, that sort of thing. Um, people frequently want to know if the dog gets along with cats and that's kind of a tricky um, question for us to answer. We can do sort of a very basic cat test, but again, behavior in the shelter doesn't necessarily predict behavior at home. And right. we're always telling people, we cannot tell you a hundred percent how this, how, the dog that you see today is going to be in a week in your home, you know, with your yeah. acre fenced yard right. and your cat running in and out at all times of the day and night. We don't know. That's right. So. That's right. But okay. Well, Joanne, I think that's some um, very useful information for people who are looking um, between the two, you know, what to look for in a shelter and what the shelter looks for in an owner, I think will give people a much better, better idea of of how to adopt a dog how to move forward in this process so thank you so much for joining us on your family dog and we will make a link to your site available as well as we have uh several podcasts that owners might find interesting including one on our rehoming podcast and one on cats and dogs with steve dale so those oh, things great. might be useful as well so um thank you so much for joining us and um Best of luck to you and in, in the Humane Society in, in Michigan City, Indiana. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Colleen and Julie would love to hear them. Call 614-349-1661 or visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.